And today's TribCast is presented by Houston First. Art, tourism, entertainment, conventions, hospitality. Houston First. More at HoustonFirst.com. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys This is Amanda Qureshi from Austin, Texas. I support the Texas Tribune because I value professional, transparent journalism, especially when it comes to politics. I love their election coverage because I'm not a straight-ticket voter. The Tribune lets me really get to know all the candidates leading up to the elections and their positions on the issues that matter to me, so I can make an informed choice about what's best for my state. This is Emily Ramshaw here on Wednesday, May 2nd with your Texas Tribune Tribcast. Thanks to Amanda and the thousands of other Texas Tribune readers supporting podcasts like this one with their donations. This spring member drive, we invite you to support our journalism by becoming a member today. You can donate at texastribune.org slash give. And I'm joined this week, as always, well, actually, as every few weeks by CEO Evan Smith. It's because I'm off having yogurt on airplanes and I can't. This is an inside <laughs> joke, but I hate yogurt and Evan is obsessed yeah, with I'm never going to forgive you It's like you his that. middle name. Who was the Amanda who was the... Did Amanda Zamora give Amanda money Karashi. just so she could have her name no, read uh, on the Tribcast? You clearly didn't listen to the intro. Amanda Karashi, who is yeah, a because huge they don't fan play of the it. Tribune. Don't, don't, don't shame me just, for not paying Can you just get online and make a donation to the Texas Tribune and call it a day? Uh, Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. I'm a donor. All right. Well, Emma, you're going to have to tell us. Uh, we've got a breaking <laughs> news reporter, Emma Platoff. Um, I'll just comment on yogurt, I think. Moving on. There's still time to become a member. Emily, who's your favorite Beatle? Well, Paul McCartney, of course. Oh, my God. Oh. That's worse than Emma liking John. Guys, huh? I'm just hoping we can start a conversation about the ACL can lineup. Can we talk about the please? I want to have a discussion David about Byrne. Tra- Travis Scott. No, I, no. Yeah, David, David Byrne is, like, super weak on that lineup. Uh, David Byrne is no, weak. I'm with Emily no on David Byrne, but Emily leaves me on Paul McCartney. So. All right, fine. Jill, I think Janelle Monet should have been a, a headliner. Same. I, she absolutely should. How in 2018 did the people who run that festival honestly have no women as the headline? Also, who wants to listen to Metallica? Oh, I do. Totally want to. Well, I, I was, I was a headbanger at one point. Oh, my God. Can someone please <laughs> Probably banged it that? too hard. No. Fake news. <laughs> I'm, I, I think l- listening to Rush on the way to Driver's Ed probably is about you're, as far as I went. You're just looking for your Beto O'Rourke street cred. I don't need any cred with him. Plus, right. I was for legal pot before he was. So we've been <laughs> moving on. We've this been waiting, well, waiting, waiting, waiting for Congress or the president or someone to act on DACA, the measure that protects hundreds of thousands of young immigrants from deportation. Uh, Ken Paxton apparently was tired of waiting. What did he do? So yesterday, uh, Texas, along with six other states, filed suit against the federal government to end DACA. Paxton had said he would do it in June if the program still stood, but he uh, seems to have jumped the gun a little bit, probably because a federal judge said, last week that um, the program could continue. And so what would ending the program mean for Texas specifically? So Texas is one of the states with the most DACA recipients, over 120,000. Paxson's lawsuit doesn't ask that the federal government deport those people. It just asks that they not renew any licenses. So no one else can get any more licenses and people can't stay for longer than their current term. So so the current DACA uh, recipients are grandfathered. They well, for, are for a period, right? They're How legal long? until their work permits expire, and those and, are two years. And there would be no renewals of those permits no because renewals. the program would come to an end, and there would be no new DACA recipients. If the lawsuit succeeds. So over two years, you would basically 
flush 120,000 current DACA recipients in Texas? If they're deported. Right. Right. So, I mean, how does this... One second. What does that mean if they're... So the point here is that if their license is... Well, people is the wrong word, but it, whatever their status is not renewed. Permits, it means right. they stay not, here without documents. They can they can right. stay without documents, or they can put themselves into the system of applying for legal status and spend years waiting. And, and, more, and, and spend years waiting. Right. I mean, and the the idea, obviously, at the federal level, has been you know Donald Trump has said he wants some kind of solution to this. He's been waiting for waiting for Congress to act. I mean, is Ken Paxton jumping the gun here? Is he doing something that is in conflict with what the White House wants? I don't think so. I, you know, I mean, and he was joined by a half dozen Six AGs. Yeah. Um, no, I think it just forces the question. You know, the the issue here, in in some way, has been for a long time that Congress is completely vapor locked on this mm -hmm. thing. They're frozen, and you know, this is I think just another attempt by somebody who has an opinion about this, obviously, but somebody involved in this, just trying to kick it loose, just so, so, make so a me, decision. Let me be clear, be, be clear about this person who, like me, believes George Harrison is the best Beatle, so I'm disposed to like you today. Mm -hmm. You believe that the problem with DACA is Congress and not the president? Yes. I disagree with you. No, DACA Explain, started because Congress wouldn't act. Because, the, because it was the, the president thing. who upturned the apple cart to begin with. If the president hadn't upturned the apple cart, the apple cart it would was still another be right president. side up. And, and, and part B is plans to save DACA have been put before this president who on the one hand faints right. in the direction of wanting to save DACA but when the time comes ultimately blames the Democrats who by the way are in the minority. Yeah, I think I think this is on Congress. I don't believe. The, so the Texas lawsuit, the challenge is that this isn't something the president could do. Obviously DACA is a program enacted by President Barack Obama in 2012 and that's always been the legal argument is that said. this has to happen from Congress. Right, right, right. But, it, but, the, but the idea that somehow Congress is responsible as Ross is saying for DACA uh, being up in the air at the moment, I, I, I you if know, Congress would respect pass Ross, but I think it's a misread of how all this became an issue. Became an issue because Congress wouldn't act, and Barack Obama stepped into it. Congress even, is ultimately responsible and could remove the put the pin back it in became, this. Grenade. It became an issue because the president made it an issue. I think it was an issue long before Donald but, Trump but, but was it a is, president. But it right. is currently, it but it is right. currently an issue, and the uncertainty of it today is currently. What it is, I believe, I put more of the onus on the on the. I mean, the president can't solve it by himself, but I put more of the onus on the president yeah. for having upturned the. I would apple. say there have been lots of mixed messages. I mean, no. the president has presented lots of mixed messages on how he wanted to fix this and whether he wanted to fix it, and then basically the l latest result is, well, it's Congress's responsibility to fix. I agree with right. Ross and Emma that it is Congress's responsibility to fix, but they are certainly getting mixed signals. But Congress has also come to the president. Different different uh, proposals have come out of Congress to try to resolve this Congress issue. Congress can't pass gas on this thing. They can't. They, they haven't been able well, to do anything. I'll, I'll acknowledge Congress can't pass gas, but I think we're also normalizing <laughs> executive spazziness here. Well, Ken Paxton would agree with you. Well, see there, Ken Paxton, we have many things in well, common. He also likes George Harris. So, <laughs> I've read that. <laughs> right. So what happens next then? What, All things what must pass except for DACA, apparently. How many states are involved in this uh, legislation? Seven. Seven now. And so what happens with this uh, litigation? Not so, legislation, litigation. Uh, the lawsuit was filed in Texas, in the Southern District in Brownsville, and we've seen the federal courts in Texas and the higher court, which is the Fifth Circuit, be pretty sympathetic to Texas arguments against uh, immigration reform before. So... We'll just see what a judge decides. Wait and see. Well, both uh, Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz have waded into the immigration reform conversation in different ways. Uh, it looks like they are increasingly likely to do so on stage. What challenge did O'Rourke put to Ted Cruz this week? 
Uh, debate me. Uh, four times four times in English, two times in Spanish. Pass me a tightly packed bowl. Oh, no, that's the wrong <laughs> issue. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We can talk about that he, later. He wants, he wants a half dozen debates and wants two of them in Spanish. You know, this is a weird situation because ordinarily a challenger in this situation, you know, it's not unusual for a challenger to say, hey, come debate me, you know, mm -hmm. raise my profile, go on stage with me. Ted Cruz loves to debate. Yes. You know, so. And in fact, has said, he will, good and has said he will debate. And, yeah. you know, uh, he's all in and, you know, basically fessed up. My Spanish isn't good enough to do this in Spanish. Yeah, but. I'm not sure that's even a fess up. That's, you know, right. when the Castro brothers can't even, you know. But at least he owned it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a lot right. of people, you know. They, we, you know. Ha we have a long, he is the latest in a long line of Hispanic elected officials in Texas. Dan Morales. Sure, the, depends yeah, on how right, they're raised, who, yeah. Who have had to sneak off to Guadalajara to get, the, right. not nothing Cruz did, but my memory is that there have been a couple of people in the past who've snuck off to get Spanish immersion. Right. And even right, if you've right. got Spanish immersion, you've got, you've got basic, you know, understanding you can communicate in it to be able to debate in Spanish where, you know, every word counts and everything is going to be digested. Right. I think that's a well, totally different Well, remember that the, 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 the breadcrumb at the beginning of this was the uh, suggestion on the day after the primary by the Cruz campaign in the form of a radio jingle that somehow Beto O'Rourke was illegitimately claiming. Yeah, like right. not Latino enough. His, his la the Latino nickname, the shortening right. of Roberto. This is the beginning of the Robert and right. Rafael. And, 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 and right. then the O'Rourke campaign said, yeah, I may be Robert Francis O'Rourke, but say that to me in Spanish. Yeah. Right. Right. So he's waiting. Um, and look, we, we are, let me say, we have put in early a, uh, uh, a proposal t for uh, Cruz and O'Rourke to debate. And I know yes. that other news organizations have uh, as well. And I think from the perspective of the news organizations, the more debates, the better, but also from the perspective of the public. You know, we have a parallel conversation going on in the governor's race where there's desperate, uh, a desperate attempt to get Andrew White and Lupe Valdez to debate multiple right. times, one time. All right, what's the latest the, on that? Because they've, the they've been pinging each other back and forth on that um, issue. It's Andrew White has obviously aggressively been pursuing. Uh, we, right. we, we approached, just, I'll give you an example on, on this that again comes through our door. We approached Andrew White and Lupe Valdez right after primary day and right. said, we'd like to put together a coalition of people to host a debate. And before I could get the sentence out of my mouth, Andrew White said, yes. Right. And the Valdez people said, T basically talk to the hand. We're not in the position to make the decision uh, 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 yet. We want to see how things play out. We're not saying no, but we're not saying yes. Well, now it's May. Right. And the Valdez campaign is still not Early voting is what upon they, us. What they really want to do. They're running the clock as long as possible. And writing 700-word explanations for what yeah. they accidentally said in public. Right, you know. exactly. And if you're Lupe Valdez, you think, I, I finished first. Right. And if I basically run why am road, I giving that guy a rose garden strategy right. Right. Yeah. that I have the chance of, of the same thing happening next time. Now, we published a story in the last week or so that Annie Daniel and others, I believe, worked on visualizing or maybe Darla Cameron worked on, but visualizing basically in any case the, the number of elections since a certain period of time in which there were runoffs and there was no incumbent running. And in something like 40 percent of those races, the person who finished in second came back and, and won the won the runoff. It is not impossible for someone in Andrew White's position right. no, to mean, win a runoff. I'm Lupe Valdez. I probably want to no. stay off that debate stage at all costs. I, right. You know, there, there's a remarkable number of people in Texas politics right now. By the way, we would elected, still host a debate. Yes. Both elected and trying to get elected who are scared to death of their own voices. I mean, and, you know, I got to say in the Senate race, it's sort of refreshing that both candidates are like, yeah, let's go on stage. Go. Yep. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll have to see whether they end up doing the six that O'Rourke has proposed or not. Certainly right. people are talking about it. And I do think, a, look, a debate in Spanish where, you know, 39% of the population of Texas right now estimated to be Hispanic. Not everybody is themselves right. a fluent Spanish speaker or fluent 
consumer of political right. uh, content and discussion in Spanish. But nonetheless, you could see an argument for this, and I think it's a good strategy. Mean, if I'm the O'Rourke campaign, it's a good strategy. The question yeah. in three and a half weeks is going to be whether the incumbent governor will debate the winner. Don't Now, see, that's interesting. I have this theory about that. I think he won't. Oh, I, I think you're wrong on this. I, I, uh, he debated Wendy Davis in the 2014 election one time on a Friday night during high school football season in the Valley. If Lupe Valdez is the nominee and I'm Greg Abbott, I'd debate her a thousand times. So what if it's Andrew White? A thousand, oh, him too. I think he debates a thousand times because the perception is these times. guys have no... I think that is no, wishful thinking. These guys have, the, right. the perception is that these guys do not have the policy chops. It's about three to stand a day, on stage, <laughs> To stand on stage with the governor and to, I've been moderating uh, all of them. Right. <laughs> yes, I've, I've done worse. Yeah, I did a railroad. Again, I did I a Republican you? primary for railroad commission debate in the last cycle. I will apparently do anything. Remind us again. Okay. The Texas Tribune does host debates. Remind us yet again. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before our next topic, I'd like to quickly thank another TribCast sponsor, the Texas Please Farm say it's Bureau. it's the Bird Scooters. It's the Texas Farm Bureau. New to farming or ranching or just want more information about general land ownership in Texas? Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for all that and more. All right. I'll skip ahead. We can talk about the scooters. Evan is, I thought he was teasing, making fun of me when I said we should talk about the scooters. And Evan was no. like, no, no, I really want to talk about the scooters. I'm, I'm pro scooter. Okay. Emma, why don't you start us off? What the hell is going on with the scooter situation in Austin? Uh, a couple weeks ago, Austin residents started noticing hundreds of electric scooters on the streets of downtown. Uh, and they basically descended on the city before the city council, which was already planning regulations, had the chance to put these in place. And then a couple days ago, the city council finally enacted this regulation. They're gone for now, but don't worry, Evan, they are coming back soon. I, I, I think in a city that likes to, to be weird and do things differently and all that, and is also interested in keeping people out of their cars, um, it is the perfect marriage of that sensibility with the Republican, conservative, freedom caucus, liberty focus that is the narrative through line of our state. If people want to ride around on scooters and get smacked by a bus, that's their decision. It's a brand new way to imperil pedestrians. Yeah, I mean, Evan, you're going to be walking down the street with your Starbucks and your cell phone right in front of your eyes. Because like I'm blind. And yes, and you're right. going to get run over by one of those scooters. God bless they're America. They're all over the sidewalks. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, they're bananas. It'll, it'll probably be Briscoe Cane on the on the, the scooter. Likely. It'll be a smaller scooter, well, but so it would still be on the scooter. What kind of regulations can we expect to see out of the city? I mean, so are we sure they're coming back? We're pretty sure. I think people want them back. Um, Who one of are these people? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> people? People, college students like scooters, young people. Yeah, I've seen non, them all over non downtown. Spazzes, I mean, it's, you it's, have to be at least basically coordinated. There have been all kinds of people on them, and I think probably the, you know, the first wave is a bunch of people who are like, I'm going to try this just because, because you know, it looks sort of cool. You know, I can't once. wait for the ER. And then you get to the next thing where I saw a couple of guys the other day before they shut this down riding up the middle lane of Congress. And it was sort of like, you know, it's like a, it's like a uh, HGTV network advertisement for the city. But I was also no, no, thinking, those guys, are, those guys are dead. It's a reality <laughs> show. So I, I went out to see my daughter at UCLA over the, her break in February. Or we took a, a break and went out, pardon me, right. in Disclosure, February. she scoots. Well, she does scoot. She's on, she's on they, there are bird scooters every place. And I saw people just zipping around Los Angeles on these things. And I thought, my God, there's not a chance in hell that I would do this. But the fact that I wouldn't do it doesn't mean that other people shouldn't if they elect to do it. Apparently, what you do is you download an app. And then you litter the you streets. You scan a credit card things. one time. And then you just grab a scooter from the street. They're not secured. And you just basically 
activate the damn thing with your app and then it charges right. you just for the time that you use it and then you just drop the thing when you're done with it. Sounds so really easy to me. That's one of the issues that might be regulated. Can they be dockless scooters? Do you have to return them to a certain place? Or do you drop them, right? The other one proposed is how many scooters can any particular company have? I think the number right now is 500, but that's been criticized as overly burdensome. So why, know, like, why is car to go okay, but bird scooters are not? Because there are parking spaces Because nobody uses car to go. go. <laughs> yeah, that's the, no, that's the answer right there. I mean, it's more like car not to go. To me, the challenge is like the fact that they are just lying all over the place. You know, when I was in Dallas last weekend and you could see, oh, by the way, Lorena on social media is pointing out that Dallas had the scooters first. So, so did you, you see scooters in Dallas? To Dallas. I, I actually did not. But what I did see in Dallas was these bikes, these dockless bikes that are just sort of parked right. willy nilly all Seen over the two. place. Yep. Someone sent a picture of one of the scooters last week that someone <laughs> docked in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Docked. So, right. But it's a, and in D.C. they also have these dockless bikes. And so it, what it means is people just put down a kickstand and the thing is like sitting in the middle of the sidewalk. Or So I just don't know how heavily they're going to regulate them or what the rules You're will like be. You're like 80 years old, it's aren't true. you? It's true. It's true. Um, I, I, I think this is good for Austin. Another very important point that Bobby just sent my way is that many folks say this is an accessibility issue. If scooters and bikes are left in the middle of the sidewalk, people in wheelchairs have a really hard time getting around. But my bigger question is actually not about the pros or cons of these scooters that I dislike. Uh, the question is, if Austin regulates them to a particular degree, is Does it the possible yeah. that the legislature comes back like it did with Uber and Lyft and owe, you know, sick pay? It's or not only possibly. Say, Don Huffines has a lobster we, bib on. About we can't this have can't a wait. patchwork of scooter regulations, regulations all over Texas. Around, yeah. right. Well, uh, they're about to well, have Well, this is patchwork. the same thing they, they did with, you know, with Uber and Lyft. Uh, that they've failed to do with smoking, that they've, I mean, you know, it's catch as catch can. We'll see how they go. Mm -hmm. I do, I mean, I do want to see members of the legislature, like, you know, supporting these scooters when these scooters are roaming all I over the I guarantee grounds. you Stickland is pro-scooter. You guarantee? I'd like guarantee. to see Stickland on a scooter. Uh, James wants to know, do these scooters require a driver's license? No. Oh, absolutely not. They require a credit so. card. Yeah, right, which is right. basically what most things in the city of Austin require. All right. Uh, all right. Speaking of scooting, uh, let's talk about a state rep who got himself into some hot water scooting around town this weekend, not on a scooter in his own vehicle. Is this about the speaker's race? No, no, not it's yet. about Rene Oliveira. Oh, we'll get oh there. God, okay. not I was, yet. I was <laughs> like, where is this going? I'm pivoting to Eric the Johnson Texas. dropped off his paperwork no. with, uh, with the scooter. On a scooter. Yeah. I'm pivoting right. to the Texas legislature. Ross, tell us what happened to Rene Oliveira this he weekend. He was driving while impaired, hit another car, gave him his um, his business card, I guess. Sounds like there uh, were a couple other cars. Ex involved. Well, he exchanged, yeah, there were two cars and three cars involved in the accident. Uh, he gave them his. Uh, business card, which is really all you need to do. You know, here's how to contact me, and then left and went home. They, you know, the cops. Is that came really to, all you need to do? Yeah, you don't you've need got to show exchange, insurance. Got to change, exchange you don't information. Have to wait for the cop to come? No. Well, um, not if, if nobody calls if, the cops. My mother raised me wrong. If about nobody's that. hurt, wait for the cop to come. If nobody's hurt, you don't. Um, you know, um, even impaired Renee Olivero was a lawyer, um, and you're not at the scene of the wreck. I mean, you know, this is this is a defense. You know, the chain of evidence gets broken. Were you drunk at the scene of the arrest? No officer observed that. Hmm. Right. So, anyway, he apologized for it. He's in a runoff, and has you know, he to being he to, did to, cop to he's, he he yeah he basically did a full apology. He didn't do a fake apology. Did he did, say you I know, was drunk? I, period. He didn't say I was drunk. Period. No. Um, but he said, you know, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And, I, we're you know. lucky no one was hurt. It sounded to me well, like what, what, what was the it. mistake then? 
he hit another car. <laughs> well, uh, you know. I think it seemed to me very clear he was acknowledging it. The other thing that, yeah. I mean, from the story that we wrote, and maybe I'm interpreting this wrong, but the way that I interpreted it was kind of like he was trying to use his influence, like, hey, we'll handle that. You know, when the cops got to the scene, the person who had been hit said, you know, this guy gave me a business card and said, let's just handle this offline. Right. Well, but that could mean I don't want to run this through my insurance. Well, it could mean anything, but if you're in a runoff that you shouldn't be in against Alex Dominguez, um, in a couple of weeks, it means mm -hmm. that let's just handle this offline until this election passes. So he, um, he, I, I think it, I think it puts you in the head in the headlines in the so wrong on, way in the minute. You, you think well, that was the deal that well, he was saying? That's, let's wait till after the runoff. I think part of this is let's keep this just between us. Well, uh, part of for, it is for let a me variety not, of reasons. And let me not get charged with a DWI. I don't want to get charged. I don't want this to be on the front page of the paper. I don't want to see my. He got uh, mugshot on the on the Texas Tribune. I mean, he you got know, arrested at his reasons. house, right? They ended up at his house where his car and an, a Lexus, another car that was like sort of at the scene, were both parked in the driveway. It was unclear to me whether that was somebody he'd been, you know, uh, uh, out with or something. But right. anyway, I mean, it sounds like he got arrested at his home. If only he had been on a scooter. If, if only <laughs> he had been on a scooter. You can't, can you get arrested for a DWI on a scooter? DWS? <laughs> scooting, Driving scooting while scooting? Yeah, it'd be an something. SWI. All right, well, what scooter. does this mean for him and his chances in the runoff? Is he toast? I wouldn't say toast. I would say that, you know, I mean, a lot of, you know, actually, with, if you look at a quick history of people in races who have gotten DWIs or have something like this on their record, it often, voters often ignore it. You know, they did it uh, with Nayave Gonzalo. won. Nave won uh, and, primary. And her case was much worse, right? There was a recording of her slurring her yeah. speech to the police, telling them, I'll take care of you. That was and, a and, and she also said, I love you. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which, right. you know, she should have gone home. TBH was pretty nice. What happened to Naomi Gonzalez? Did uh, Naomi Gonzalez lose no, yeah, her but, election? But for a variety of reasons. You know, Gonzalo Barrientos, a former senator from Austin, had a famous case that had him on video. He won, you know. Voters often overlook this. Rene Oliveira is already in electoral trouble because he's a longtime incumbent who finds himself in, in a, a primary runoff. Right. Uh, this doesn't help. Right. Right. We're going to switch gears here, here in a second. You can send us uh, your comments and questions on Facebook and Twitter. But Evan, there are some requests on social media for you to give a TribFest 2018 update. Yeah, who, who asked for that? Denise. Is McCartney Flores, coming? I'm sure. That, the the yes. update is that we have tickets on sale on, on Monday, the 7th of May. We used to announce on the day the tickets went on sale uh, some percentage of the speakers. We're not going to announce uh, the speakers this year, as we did not last year, until the full program goes on, uh, so you're not uh, gonna, on August 1st. No teasers? I'm um, not going to tease. What, 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 I, what I can tell you, uh, we'll be creative about what we uh, – dribble out in terms of people on the program. Um, I will tell you that having put this program together now for each of the eight festivals, including the one that will be September 28th and 29th this year, this is the very best festival program by far in terms of the intersection of enormous political names, enormous national media figures, uh, and uh, everybody you want to hear from in Texas heading into an election year or general election uh, uh, time frame heading into a legislative session and then looking over the rise at another set of state and national elections. Um, my, my head is exploding over this uh, program. It's going to be amazing. And I think everybody who 
uh, who comes to this festival is going to just be blown away by it. And where is it? Festival's downtown. It's going to be across uh, downtown streets and downtown venues. Um, it's two full days, Friday the 28th of September, Saturday the 29th. The Franklin Barbecue kickoff is on Wednesday night the 26th. The opening session is Thursday night the 27th at the Moody Theater where the Austin City Limits show is taped. The closing session on Saturday night is going to be at the Long Center in Austin. You get your Sunday back, but we're taking back other days and other portions of your time over the course of those days. And there's going to be so much going on, so many people here, so much to do. You're not going to be able to choose among uh, the options. You're, you'll be choosing between Beyonce and Kanye West. I, I, That's pretty I, easy, I, actually. I think, I, I, yeah. I think Kanye West would be a bigger draw at this event than oh my Beyonce. God. Oh, my that God. That's wrong. That is not true. You're this, so wrong. This, no. I mean, you've never said anything more inaccurate in your professional career. Not even the young right. I, I, I was all about the Beychella, but I, I kind of do think... I kind of do think the the Kanye West thing right now is kind of amazing. Meh. Meh? Meh. Let's pivot from talking to Kanye West to talking about the speaker's race. Another thing Evan's really excited. Could Kanye West run for speaker? Maybe. It's possible. I think anybody can run. I think anybody can run for speaker. If you want to run, you know. It'd be great. Please call. (laughs) So we officially have a Democrat in the race. We do. Uh, Eric Johnson jumped in at 2 o'clock in the morning because, you know, what else is there to do at 2 o'clock in the morning? Why did he jump in at 2 o'clock in the morning? I'm not advised. I really want, the dog got up to pee last night, and I I, I looked at my email as I, uh, we'll, we'll do it moments like that, and there was a thing from Eric Johnson, and I was like, what is, who, what is he sending out? An embargoed e- until uh, 2 a.m. Embargoed <laughs> until 2 a.m. I, you know, wanted one, to be in, was that one you wanted to stay up for, Ross? Uh, <laughs> was not. When I wanted to, um, all right, so is this significant at all? What's, where are we? Give us the... Uh, we're very early in the race, and we've got uh, now four actual candidates, which means they've filed the papers and can raise money and spend money to run for speaker. Usually what that kind of spending means is that you're going around the state talking to the you know, various members of the House to try to to round up votes. It's a weird kind of thing. You can't promise anything in, in return for a vote. So you can't say, if I'm elected, you'll be chairman of such and such. Right. Or I'll uh, push you can say things bill. like, you know, when I'm thinking about appropriations chairman, I'm thinking about people like you. Hmm. That's about as far as you can go. So it's kind of this hint of that. Even that seems like a... But there's a lot of... But you can say that to 150 people, you right. know. Uh, I'm thinking of a House member, yeah. right? Right. Um, so it allows you to get out there and actually campaign. There are a lot of people in the pool who are sort of testing interest and um, uh, not spending money and not saying, hey, would you vote for me if, or any of that kind of thing. And, you know, we ran out, I put together a list of those. And it's probably a dozen names. Mm-hmm. If this goes like the last open race in 92 and 93, um, you'll get up to probably a dozen names and they'll start to fall. And by the time you get to the November elections and that period between the November elections and the January session, you'll quickly get down to three or four and then you're really down to it. Um, members you, double pledging and Emily asked if this is in any way significant. And I know that he's a Democrat who is running to be the speaker sure of a Texas House that is majority Republican and is going to be an almost almost certainly majority Republican mm-hmm. heading into the next session. Right. So the fact that he's a Democrat running means that his chances are not good, to say the least. Right. Right. So, so then why is this significant? Well, if, you know, the Republicans have this process play right now where they're trying to put together a, a rule or an agreement where they would all go into the Republican caucus room. Right now there's 95 of them mm-hmm. after the election. I think there'll be a few less, but still a majority. They'll go into the Republican caucus. 
vote amongst themselves for somebody and then come out and vote, agree to Stay vote as a aligned. block. Right. And if you're going to, if this does turn into a, a block politics thing, which I seriously doubt, if it does, then you want to have another block. You want to be able to put together enough votes where you say, if you get me, I'll bring this many votes over. And one of the ways to do that is to build a candidacy. So if you're an Eric Johnson, or for that matter, a Republican who doesn't get over the top, if you can put together enough votes to get into that period I was talking about between Election Day in November and the Speaker election in January, you're now a broker. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it could come from the moderate Republicans. It could come from the Democrats. You know, the Democrats are actually the, the second biggest block in the House. I would say the regular Republicans are probably the first biggest, the Democrats, and then the Freedom Sorry. Republicans and those guys. I, I and, and I think putting together something like this, A, puts you in a position to broker on the Speaker's race, and B, puts you in a good position to lead a Democratic caucus that's kind of been foundering for leadership. But be, be pragmatic about this. If you're a Democrat, and you have the choice of supporting Eric Johnson, who's not going to win, or John Zerwas, who could conceivably win with the votes of Democrats and 15 to 20 Republicans who look at a conservative alternative and think, I would much rather have somebody more like Joe Strauss than Liz. And you're going to start him with the same coalition that put Strauss why, in, right? but, but why as a Democrat would you, exactly why same. as a Democrat would you burn your vote on a candidate of your party who has no chance of being speaker, as opposed to making the decision to giddy up with a candidate who, in a coalition of Democrats and moderate Republicans, has a chance to hold off a less preferable conservative two, two different kinds of races. The first race is a race where everybody's acting on their own ambitions and interests, which is how I think speakers' races in Texas operate. The Johnson play here, the play for all the Democrats, is to put blocks together, which is how Washington races work. And I don't think how Texas yeah, but races work. Could he deliver work, a block to anybody? Well, Why would that's, anybody that's the question. Him? You start off, you declare your candidacy, and you see if you can deliver a block. That's what all of these guys are doing. If there's 12 or 13 or 15 or 20, however many candidates yeah. there are, they're all seeing how many votes they can put together. And most of them are going to very quickly go, I don't have any votes. Isn't it, it, it also it, a sign yeah. of your own ambition and a sign of you uh, know, sure, your sure. desire for anybody can run for anything. Plum right. committee spots. It, right. You know, you're showing that you want to be taken really seriously. Is, is there a single Republican who would vote for Eric Johnson over no. any Republican candidate? No. I don't know. No. I doubt it. Like, let's say, let's say it were Eric Johnson and Briscoe Kane. Briscoe Cain is somehow the choice of the caucus. And so it's Eric Johnson and one of the most conservative members of the House. Uh, is there a John Zerwas or a Sarah Davis or a, a moderate-ish, ish, ish, ish Republican? answering your own question. Mm -hmm. you, do you think the answer is no? I think the answer is I don't know. So who, I, is, I the, do know. who <laughs> is the candidate, the Republican candidate, who could hold the Republicans together as a block? There's a bunch of them. That's what they're trying to put no, together. No, I know. I'm asking you. I, you know, I'm not going to predict the future. I mean, this is these things are most... You know, this is a good line, but it's also true. You don't need a political pundit for this. You need a psychologist. Mm. And, and you need a thing where they say, well, you know, I've always gotten along with so-and-so, and so-and-so over here pushed me off the slide in the third grade, so I'd never vote for them. And my chances of being on a, on a big committee are better with her than it is with her. It's all those kinds of things 150 right. times. Well, who are the three or so Except people who— Of course, no woman is going to be speaker. Who so are the— Well, I think, Jeannie Morrison, I think Jeannie Morrison is, is you know— viable. Do you here. think that's a legit thing? Yeah. All right. There, we got him to name a name. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. If you like listening to the Tribcast every week, we've got so something. So Paul McCartney, Excuse seriously? Me, Paul McCartney? I am speaking. Paul McCartney? Are you mansplaining something to me right now? No, I'm, I'm, I'm man-asking you still. I'm shocked about the Beatles thing. It's John. It's John. It's John. She says, I can't believe it. 
All right. <laughs> We've got something brand new for you, an audio news brief that shows up every morning on your Amazon Alexa smart speaker or podcast player. You can learn more at trib.it slash thebriefpodcast. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music and to Houston First and the Texas Farm Bureau, our sponsors this week. Please also don't forget to pledge your support this member drive at texastribune.org slash give. On behalf of Evan, Ross, Emma, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking, baby. Texas talking. I mean, the things that you eat are like. Well, you're still mad about a yogurt I brought onto an airplane four years ago.